Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. I was going to ask you if you break them in half to share or if you just take bites and pass it around, but you already took a bite, so I don't even have a question anymore. Uh Uh-huh. I eat cookies like Cookie Monster. (laughs) Nom, 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 nom. You really, you kind of do. Uh-huh. Oh, you even took another bite before sharing it. Yeah. (laughs) Fine, I'll try mine then. I when I share I break a cookie in half. I'm sorry. And take a bite of my half and then pass it along and oh. you bite your half and then hand the other half to the new biter. I mean I wasn't really intending on sharing at all but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to your friend Jordan, shout out to Milk Cookie, shout out to Christina Tosi. Uh these look bomb. This is the greatest. Okay. I'm sorry I've got my mouth so full of cookie that I can't even talk but Jordan who has been a friend for a long time, um, just this week was like, hey, I want to send you something. Look for a delivery. And just this afternoon, right before I was about to come over here, a package arrived on my doorstep, and it's a mixed tin of these milk cookies. Um, I'm having the blueberry cream. Mm-hmm. Very satisfying. What are the, you having? The one you're about to try is cornflake chocolate chip marshmallow. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. So good. Mm-hmm. These are awesome. They're yeah. they're the perfect like thickness, the perfect softness, mm-hmm. the perfect sugariness, mm-hmm. the perfect crispy around the edginess. They've got like a a crunch that feels like a sparkle in my mouth. I don't wow. know if that makes sense, but like it's a mm. light, light crunch. Even though they're chewy, they've also got a crunch, which is crazy. I don't know if you can hear it because I'm eating so close to the microphone. Sorry. I'm trying not to, mm. but I'm also drooling. Mm. So if you hear a <laughs> and a chomp, it's because I'm drooling, chewing, and trying to do this pod at the same time. Thank you, Jordan. This was the fucking greatest. Like, what a weird time in the world. And to ha- just, you know, have cookies sent to you from a friend from afar from New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, which we'll get into briefly yep. in a minute. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jordan. This is truly wonderful and has brightened my spirits and is making me... Um, yeah, chow down. I love when somebody famous lives up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Christina Tosi for me is that person. Like milk bar, their cakes, their cookies, mm-hmm. everything about her, her baking skills and what these taste like. I'm like, oh, you're the real deal. There's a reason people fuck with you. Are we putting it in the air to have Christina on the pod? Yes. Yes. Okay. Of course. Let's yep. go. Awesome. I think she would do it. I think so. Her place is right by not a place that I live, so don't even consider googling that to see where i live and how close her place is to me wait is she la i thought she was new york she has spots in la that are open and the line is usually um around the corner oh but right now they're only to the corner because of covid right (laughs) so you can just order them online and get them delivered which is way better yo this is the this is the world that we live in. I've now had like these incredible cookies and fucking Katz's Deli uh, Reuben sandwiches shipped to my door. Like there's there are some amazing ways to enjoy all of the great food out there that doesn't have to do with leaving your house. I don't want to say much more on that because I have some birthday things coming up for some people oh. where I'm sending them 
stuff. Okay. Why'd I even say anything? <laughs> what an idiot. Super weird. Hey, let me. What a fucking dumb fuck, Mike. You're like a super bad liar. Yeah. You're like <laughs> just outing yourself before anything oh, even happened. Oh, man, happen. that was dumb. Hey, everyone. <laughs> sorry about your time and your ears. Like, that'd be a good... Um, um, yeah, that'd be like a good Law & Order character. Mm-hmm. I'm not not saying he didn't, but may have been well, around. It's like the um, the the guy in um, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, who just keeps like giving up information before he's <laughs> even asked, which is like, everyone, please, please, please watch Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. I want to own it. I want to see it a thousand more times. But isn't it... Who's the... It's um, Wayans. It's... Uh, Damon Wayans Damon, Jr. Damon Wayans Jr. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, he just keeps giving himself up before anyone even asks him. And he's like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> giving it's, information out. I'm always impressed with somebody with such nice arms is also funny. Yes. You know? Very, very, very handsome and very funny. Yeah. I was yes. like, damn. Who, the t- I, I don't want to say the Tom Brady of comedy because that has deep, not true connotations. <laughs> but when somebody is like that total package and it's like, right. fuck. Like John Hamm is hilarious. Damon Wayans Jr. is hilarious. Yeah. And these are like... They're hot dudes who happen to also be funny. I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah, arguably like the hottest. Also fucking, yeah, like hot. You know, there's that whole idea. I watched uh, this amazing TikTok. um, Lena, oh, I can't remember her name. Lena Dong, I think. But she like is always making fun of the guys who say that um, hot girls aren't funny or hot girls aren't good at math or hot girls aren't this or that. And she's, yeah, she's just great. And she always puts the lie to it. And I'm like, yeah, there are plenty of hot girls who are like super fucking funny. They're not. You know, you can be like the idea that you have to be some kind of like weirdo to be funny is for the most part true. But there are also very fucking hot people who are very fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Shout out hot people who are funny. Fuck all of you. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? What's going on, Mary Jane? What up, Mary Jane? (laughs) How's it going, Mike? Good. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everyone. This is a (laughs) podcast by two super hot people with perfect bodies about cannabis, culture, cooking, comedy. Calling shit out. And cookie. And And cookies. cookies. Yeah. Uh We're so hot that we're just going to eat a rack of cookies this entire up. I'm just stuffed another one in my mouth. I don't care. It's a podcast. Yo, speaking of TikTok, have you seen the TikToks going around about the Gateway experience? Oh. How there was a CIA document uncovered back from 1983 about the Gateway experience, and it's in it's in a Vice article now. Like it's made its way to mainstream media because mm. you know TikTok is like a newsworthy place where people are uncovering things and getting yes. the word out. It's very cool, and the Gateway experience. In a very broad, vague sense, again, because I think that's my MO for this episode, is that they were trying to figure out a way to combine your left and right hemisphere of your brain into just one working organism that works in a harmony mm. with the goal of kind of escaping this reality and being able to astral project yourself to other places because one of the things tying you into this meat sack that you're in is how everything is tied to different places inside your brain to work as one machine. Mm -hmm. But if you can combine all of that into a oneness, you could potentially cook out of here and go explore. Right. And that's a CIA funded program that has just been uncovered and they've made headway in. And it's all because of TikTok that I learned about it. (laughs) You were nodding at me like, shut up, dude. You nodded at me like Dr. Phil judging a 13 year old. For stealing at the grocery store. Holy oh, shit. It's just so funny because you're like, it's a CIA program that I learned about on TikTok. And I'm like, I think that's actually like 
Buddhist principles <laughs> that have been around for thousands of no, no, years. No, 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 no. It was a 14-year-old in Savannah, Georgia, who has their finger on the pulse of CIA commentary. Oh my God, that's so funny. Like the that the attain complete wholeness with the universe, so that you actually escape your sort of physical shell, is like this thousands of years of you know meditative practices, and it exists in so many different realms. And it's like, of course, also. A CIA program that they want to activate for whatever fucking CIA purposes that they have mm -hmm. that you learned about on TikTok, but that's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think too about the. Um, I was just reading on Vice about lucid dreaming, and how you know all of these like cool weird new brain hacks that was out as we enter this realm of like where everyone is truly like meditation actually does things and works and changes and remaps your neural pathways and there are things from inner space that we can we can um you know figure out through like just all of the connectedness and science and uh there was this thing that just happened where they did a here let me just pull it up because it was so fucking neat scientists basically have achieved real-time communication with lucid dreamers so they got a bunch of test subjects they put them to sleep they put electrodes on their faces to make sure that they were in rem and they had a pre-approved method of communication so when you were under in the rem sleep they could ask you a question and if you could hear them and you were lucid dreaming you could answer them correctly so they got people who were in that dream time to communicate with them in real time wow mm -hmm. wow i would love to know what they were asking what they were finding and because I've always wanted to lucid dream and I've heard people say like I can do it I've done it and I yeah. can like control my dreams and fly and I've had some instances where I've like been in and outside and aware but I've don't think I've lucid dreamt before right well I, I think that the people who like actively um follow they want to learn how to lucid dream you can teach yourself you can yeah. actually like do certain things to make to get better at it and i've definitely had some lucid dreams like i've had a dream where i'm controlling what i do and then i've woken up and then i've gone back to sleep and gone back into that dream and continued it it's been i had a really cool one recently actually i was in iceland and i don't want to hear your dream. Okay. don't tell me um, <laughs> but um in this uh <coughs> excuse me in this vice article they were saying that it was mostly like simple math like they were saying, you know, um, can you subtract six from eight? And then they would answer two by moving their eyes correctly. And then they would ask them again. And they would give them the same answers. They were just reinforcing the fact that, yes, they were communicating with these test subjects. Wow. Yes, they were answering them from inside their dreams. So you could be the tip of the mountain and you could be the glacier underwater all at once. That's really fucking mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Damn. Especially, I love that right now this is all happening because as we're getting cookies from your friend in New Jersey and enjoying them. Um, the government is trying to escape this planet right? in as many ways as possible, whether it's through a oneness of your mind, a lucid dreaming communication, uh, Mars colonization, like whatever it is that we can get the fuck out of here mm -hmm. right now, the government is like, yo, we need to figure this shit out. I think we all need to figure this shit we out. We do. It's we important. We all need to figure it out. We're all feeling very trapped and very weird and... Like, I've definitely been finding that, you know, uh, trying to meditate and become at peace with just how things are has been very fucking helpful. It's also incredibly difficult. And, you know, I think there are lots of programs that want to figure out how to, the crazy thing is that there are like, yeah, government and regulatory agency run programs that are like, we need to figure out how meditation works in order to create a more efficient workforce, which is like, right. So you can take 10 minutes out of your lunch break to, to meditate and then go back to stocking shelves better. Right. Which is, yeah, that's what they'll use it truly for. Truly fucking goes against the principle of meditating. They will use mental health as a way to 
to monetize more of you. It's upsetting yeah. that that is actually the truth in some cases, but obviously not all of them. And obviously there are plenty of places that just want us all to be better and happier. And so to that to that end, actually, uh, Jordan also sent me an app called Binaural Beats, which is helping me meditate. Do you know about Binaural Beats? I know about it because you said you sent me the app, but I haven't yeah. opened it. I haven't downloaded it. I haven't read anything. So no. Okay. So basically it's, it's, um, it's a sleep and meditation aid and it's basically two frequencies that play in your ears and they're different, but you're hearing them at the same time and they can, um, help you with anxiety and, um, just like deepening your meditation and sleeping oh, cool. in some cases. It's really neat. I love this. I love how everything we're talking about at the top here is all connected to like being well, being well or being better. And being one. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. You know? Being calmer. I mean, I've definitely, I hit a level of burnout this last week where I was like, whoa, everything kind of came screeching to a halt. And I was like, what is that about? It's not just about me. It's about sort of like a cosmic global thing that's happening in addition to all of my my personal stuff. Yeah. My friend Natalie calls it COVID plus. She's like, there's COVID <laughs> and then there's whatever you have going on. Yeah. And those two the things. streaming service. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's a lot. So yeah, I just hit that and then I was like, okay, just add, you know, add whatever you can to it. The cookies fucking help greatly. The binaural beats help, you know, watching a great show, eating some fucking edibles, treating yourself to a nice dinner that you cooked, all the things, all the things, all the things. Hmm. Speaking of, uh, I wanted to shout out PAX before we get into the news, oh, because yeah. if you're going to find places, people, and things that work for you, especially because I'm fucking burnt out too, if anybody has any suggestions <laughs> out there for um, how to make a candle that has four ends so that we can burn them all at once, because right now I'm only burning two, I think we can find a candle that is crossed with another candle no, dude, and you... burn even more candle Please ends. don't go harder. Go less. You're recording this podcast naked. Yeah. <laughs> So what? I point out. Yeah. I'm in my apartment. I'm allowed to record naked. You're not really naked. But no, but I don't have a shirt on. That's true. Yeah. I'm recording without a shirt on today. Let Why? What about what? 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 <laughs> so what? I just want you to relax. I don't want you to burn candles at four ends. I know. I, I want you to burn it just at one end. My chest hair is usually straight, but I'm so stressed out that it's curly right now. Have you now. heard that it's a trend right now with like bored people who have chest hair to carve shit into it? Have you seen that? What do you mean? Trend? Like swastikas? No, like Batman signals and shit. Oh. Okay. Yeah. You know, maybe swastikas if you're that kind of person. Which, Probably. You know, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Okay. Let's shout out uh, PAX because they've just launched uh, with Oakland Extracts um, a PAX era pod, which honors Black History Month. And the um, proceeds are benefiting Supernova Women, which is a group that empowers people of color to become self-sufficient shareholders in the cannabis industry. That's really great. It's fucking cool. Very so Oakland powerful. Extracts is a legacy-owned um brand uh in oakland i imagine uh and they've just launched this limited edition packs uh that's available on ease and 25 percent of the proceeds are going directly to supernova women good that's a nice amount of proceeds yep it's awesome and they've got um the strain is sort of sort of citrus kush and it's a live resin sauce so it'll be super flavorful and delicious with all those yummy terps and i really want to try one and packs is fucking awesome so nice cool cool job you guys very nice. Yeah. yeah. Good people doing good things, as That's right. always. That's what I want to co-sign. Mm-hmm. Um, are you telling me I need to put a shirt on? Is that what you were nope. bringing up? You want me to put a shirt on? No. Three shirts? <laughs> a hoodie? A raincoat? No. No? I'm sorry I called you out for that. I don't care. 
I also just realized that my shoulders are up around my ears as we record because that's how that's where I'm at yeah, with everything. I know. So you know, maybe I'll drop my shoulders a bit and take a deep breath and celebrate New Jersey and just enjoy these victories, you know? Yes. Yeah. Enjoy the victories. Why don't you take your shirt off if you're going to put me on blast? Listen, if I'm taking my shirt off, I'm going to be fully naked. That's how I, you know. That's that's truly how I wish I could be at all times, everywhere, all the time. I actually walk out into the patio that I have off my house, off my kitchen in the morning. Almost every morning I go out there naked. Truly? Truly. Do you sun your taint? No, no. I just go out to just like get get the breeze in my hair and you know just be naked. And like, on I your just, tits. Yep. Yeah, it does feel good. A breeze going across your nipples feels amazing. It feels great, and it's just you know like a moment to to be you know fully at one with myself and my surroundings. And you know Archie Moo likes to go out and sniff around and do possum patrol and water the plants, and I like to stand with my cup of coffee naked in my little sunny patio. Damn, that's some goddess shit right there. If my neighbors uh, ever see me, I'm sorry about it. But yeah, I feel like totally entitled to... I don't think anyone can see me. That's why I do it. Yeah, well, I did see that one tweet that said, you're either the neighbor who sees people naked or you're the naked neighbor. There's no in between. I'm the naked neighbor. I am too. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we get along. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Oh, that sounds nice. Um, So one of these days, you're going to have a oneness brain. Mm Mm-hmm. With a mouthful of cookies, yep. being asked deep REM questions by the CIA mm-hmm. while you're fully naked. Yes, on I the feel beach. like this may have already happened. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the dream that I squashed when I was like, I don't want to hear your fucking dream? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like this may have already happened, and I just forgot about it because the CIA did like a flashbang in my fucking brain or something. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. I feel like there are things that have happened in my life that I just truly have like put away because they happened either, you know in some like weird environment or you know on a trip or whatever there's definitely stuff in my brain that is like yeah some deep. some weird deep stuff for um, sure i know we have some really cool announcements coming up um that we'll get into but i will also put in the air with christina tosi that we should talk to a ghost hunter mm. or a hypnosis expert who can put me under or you under and see if we have met some ghosts that have yes. been blocked from our minds. I don't want to hear the deep angry at my family stuff from a hypnosis person. I want somebody to hypnotize me and remind me that I saw Bigfoot. That's yeah. the kind of hypnosis I want. Well, I feel like we had when we had our friend Lauren Hurt on here and she was talking about some experiences where she really felt like she'd connected with people who had passed that you related to the way she had felt and that you felt like you might have had similar experiences but that you couldn't necessarily recall them I at the moment. I couldn't tap in at all. Yeah. At all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's get some cool yeah. folks on here who can put me under. Yeah. And then I'll cool. really, you know. I mean, I feel pretty open about talking about some of the stuff that I've had when people have passed where I've like just experienced something in nature that I feel like was very connected to that person's death. Like I always think about when my dad died and I saw a humpback whale at a very strange time of year when there are normally not humpback whales in Newfoundland. And it was like a really amazing experience that felt very connected to my dad. So that's special. It's all there, you know, it's all, Mm. everything's connected. You want to get to our news? Yes. It's huge. Yes. It's big. It is big. It's juicy. It is juicy. It's that New Jersey legalized marijuana, everyone. The governor on Monday of this week signed three bills that effectively permit and regulate, regulate the use of recreational cannabis in New Jersey. At long last. Finally. It's been in the works for a New while. New York, where you at? 
Yeah, New York fucking... Slipping. That whole situation is... I don't want to talk shit on New York. Okay. Let's celebrate New Jersey. So the legislation signed on Monday decriminalizes the use or possession of up to six ounces of cannabis and ends an era of disproportionate arrests in communities of color. And I was just writing a piece about Al Harrington, NBA star Al Harrington, who grew up in Orange, New Jersey, and he was saying as a kid he was fucking terrified of cannabis because he watched his community decimated by the fucking arrests, stop and frisks, people landing in jail for like a nickel bag of weed ruins your fucking life you know you come out with a record you're it's it's crazy devastating the damage that has been done and so this hopefully will work to repair some of the damages and the money that's going to roll in is the the um the story that i'm reading from is in the new york times and it says that the new industry uh cannabis industry in new jersey will will generate about 126 million dollars a year i can't even picture that I don't even know what that looks like. Hell yeah, they are. (laughs) Potholes. (laughs) Nice, Mary Jane. Yo, we out here. Well, let's shout out our lawyer friend of New Jersey. That's right. Blaze Responsibly, who you actually met in Clubhouse, right? Yep. So Shirali Patel uh, has Blaze Responsibly, which is a group where she advocates for access to cannabis. She had a family member who was struggling to get access to medical cannabis, and so she became an advocate. She's friends with our friend Christine Vucola. We're going to have them onto the pod to talk about legalization on the East Coast soon. Yes, we are. Yeah. And, and their clubhouse, I think it's every Wednesday, West Coast time, three or five. We usually share it on our Weed and Grip stories. They usually tag us. But it's great because there are two lawyers in New York and New Jersey talking about where policy is on the East Coast in clubhouse, taking questions from anybody in the audience. Yep. And when we have them on the pod Maybe we should take questions then too. Yeah, that'd and be great. throw something out there to see to answer people's questions because we always get so many DMs asking us. Right, and then we're like, well, let's ask a lawyer. Well, <laughs> we'll be with some lawyers. Absolutely, yeah. Cool. And Shirali is you can follow Shirali Patel at Blaze Responsibly and Christina Bucola at CB Council on IG, and they're just fantastic. And Shirali's in New Jersey, and yeah, has been working to um, get legalized cannabis for a while now so yeah thank, thank you. you oh jinx thank you jinx Thanks. i get to eat another cookie okay. that's a big old jinx <laughs> yes um fantastic and also um just all the other you know folks who you know some of my colleagues from high times days and many of the people who um i've met over the years who were just like have have non-stop advocated for legal weed in the garden state you know, congratulations and thank you. And I can't wait to visit and enjoy some fucking, you know, go over to Hoboken and, you know, find the shop and buy some legal cannabis. Ooh, that'll be so good. That'll be great. And shout out to all of our listeners. We got so many great DMs from like Baked by the River mm-hmm. and uh, Wanamaka and everyone who's like, I can't believe it. It's yeah. a big deal. And it's very exciting to have started this podcast connected with people all over the country and as their states go legal as well, be able to celebrate with them. I, yeah. For me, that's what Weed and Grub is all about, you know? Act, and I'm glad you brought up Baked by the River. Follow at Baked by the River on Instagram. They're doing classes um, teaching people how to make extracts like um, oil to make your edibles more potent and that kind of stuff. And they're just like really neat folks who know what know what's up. Hell yeah, they and do. know what's good. Yo, yeah. this compost cookie, no wonder it's Tosi's number one milk seller. Mm-hmm. There's a... Sp- I think that's this is this is my ideal cookie before okay. we get into Buds of the Week mm-hmm. and our VIB Dave Bean and Stock. Mm-hmm. My ideal cookie, big chocolate chunks, some kind of twist on a crunch like a cornflake, something else, something gooey like a caramel or a marshmallow, mm-hmm. and then a 
pinch of fucking salt Mm -hmm. just to pop you in the mouth every so often. And then an outer edge that is nice and golden brown, an inner ring of soft doughy center. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be a little bit too big for a glass of milk for dunking so that you have to like take a bite and wedge it in and take a bite and wedge it in. It shouldn't be able to easily access the glass. It's not going to be a big enough cookie for me. I would say that this cookie, this is the compost cookie. Mm -hmm. This is like a Cirque du Soleil of cookies. (laughs) It's got everything. It's got all of the elements that you just mentioned. And I feel like in my mouth, it's like my mouth has like several stages and center stage. There's one thing going on. And then downstage over here, there's like a little other contortion routine going on. And then on this other stage on the other side, there's like a clown being funny. And then you look up into the aerial and you're like, there's someone up there doing something on silks too. Yeah. And it's a lot. And it's, but it's all amazing. But it's all amazing. Like, look you, over there. Look over there. You don't know where to look. Your mouth doesn't know what to do. Your taste buds are like, ooh, over here, salt. Ooh, over here, chocolate. Ooh, 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 crunch. Mm-hmm. Mm, fucking delicious. Cirque de Sol cookie. Mm-hmm. Cook de Sol Christos de Soleil. Yeah, Ben and Jerry's is definitely going to hire you to name their. <laughs> get all the way to the final round his resume looks great his palate is exquisite let's just yep. see if he can come up with some names can he come up with a name we could we would have in fact i think ben and jerry's should hire us to come up with names for all of their ice cream strains and milk should hire us to come up with all the names for their cookie strains because when we are perfectly stoned and in the pocket and making puns it's the best time. Yeah. Yeah. We do nail it quite, a, nail quite it. a bit. We're Maybe usually nine out of right 10. <laughs> yeah. But by the, as soon as we hit stop on this, mm-hmm. I'll have nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. While we do Buds of the Week, in the mm-hmm. back of my head, I'm going to be thinking about a uh, Cirque du Soleil cookie pun. Okay. And if I don't come up with it, uh, we'll just stop, workshop something, and okay. then come back and real act quick. like we thought of it. Make it natural, though. Yeah, we'll okay. make it natural. We'll make it real <laughs> natural, guys. You'll never notice a thing. It'll just be like some weird jump at it, and you'll be like, I don't know what happened. It just seemed... Okay, are we doing Buds of the Week? Let's do it. Okay, my Bud of the Week is at Shartown on IG. Our friend Charlotte is a light in my world, and... um I don't know. She just re- we just recently connected uh, over all all good things. Our love of weed and our love of mushrooms and our love of people in our life. And I was like, I'm so fucking glad I know you. And thank you for staying connected with me and being like an anchor and a great friend. And she's also got an awesome dog named Reggie who turned 12 today. Shout Hello. out Reggie! Happy birthday, Reggie! And yeah, she's just a wonderful friend and soul and person, and I love her so much. And um, I just wanted to shout her out. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Christina de Soleil. Mm. Hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> My butt of the week this week is a adjacent butt of the week. So our theme music and outro music and bump music, all of our music for this podcast is done by Jesse Case, who has been in our show notes since Jump. Music by Jesse Case. Another Tall, beautiful, handsome, hilarious man. So how can he have it all? He has it all. How can he have it all? He's got a beautiful family. He's so talented. He's so funny. And he's like 6'2 with long hair that when he throws it back, you're almost feeling like you're in a cologne ad. Hot dude. Wow. And he is now, because he is a total package, building a barn, building a music studio in a barn. So check it out. He's taking the whole thing on instagram at outsider audio again it's at outsider audio and you can follow jesse case and you can follow him turning this 
big crazy barn in the middle of a snowy field into a music studio for him and his family and his bandmates and it's so rad and he's so talented and I just feel thankful for him working with us on our music and now to be able to support him with his big dreams feels good and if you want to download the entire track that our theme music is from it's called Sonoma Coma and it's on it's everywhere I think you can just look it up on Spotify or iTunes and you can buy it from Jesse and support him that way absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah let's support each other's dreams yeah um salt and biscuit what salt and biscuit salt salt and banco is a famous Cirque du Soleil show and so I thought maybe we could call it salt and biscuit (laughs) It's no better than yours. I'm sorry. It's no better than mine. Don't look mine. at me like you hate me. Jesus. I, it's not that I hate you. It's that <laughs> neither of us are nailing this. Damn it. It's like, it's almost like, all right, you guys jump out of the plane and then pull the sh- parachute. And, and we just like, don't just pull the parachute. It's just two puffs of dust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we just wily coyote it all the way down. <laughs> yeah. We just accordion back. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, well, it's okay. You want to get to our VIB, our very important bud this week? I do want to get to our VIB. I've known David Beanenstock since I started work at High Times. It's so fucking great to have him on as a guest this week. He's so knowledgeable. He's brilliant. He's funny. He's got a great podcast called Great Moments in Weed History. I'm going to stop you right there because yeah. I want to do a plug before we do plugs at the end of the app. But they have an awesome episode dropping i think this friday mm-hmm. and i don't want to tip what it's about but it's a bonus app that he gave us a sneak peek on and i'm fascinated by this great moment in weed history it's going to be so cool amazing we'll carry on i mean oh I, i'll keep going yeah yeah yeah. i think bean is such a talented writer mm-hmm. uh he plays along with everyone so well which i love in a smoking circle mm-hmm. if you can smoke with someone and they keep it in the air and they're mad funny and get the whole circle to laugh yeah that's who i want to hang out with and i would also say that his co-host abdullah on great moments in weed history um the chemistry between Bean and Abdullah is really second to none on their podcast. So it's a really nice listen. It's very joyous. It's a lot of like education, but in the best way, like they are fucking cracking up the whole time. It's, it's great. And also Bean has an amazing book called How to Smoke Pot Properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gone toe to toe with Tucker Carlson on Fox News. He's like one of the most respected cannabis journalists in the game. Hundred Cool guy. Great friend. Fun hang. Wonderful interview. Yeah. I'm delaying because I'm trying to come up with one more cookie Cirque du Soleil pun, <laughs> and I don't have it. Um, um, three ring cookie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, That's fine. it. <laughs> That's it. Oh, man. Oh, without further ado, here is our interview with... David Beanenstock. with us today, David Beanenstock, co-host of the wonderful podcast, Great Moments in Weed History, and author of How to Smoke Pot Properly, and my former colleague from High Times Magazine. What's Can, up, Bean? Oh, wait. I wanted to add straight shooter. Oh, yeah. Straight shooter. <laughs> An all-around funny person. And we will always be colleagues, Mary Jane. And that is I true. I am one of the few people who've seen your driver's license and can confirm to the world that it's your real name. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much for that. Yo, do you want to talk a little bit about your podcast for those people listening who might not know it, but should definitely check it out? Um, yeah. So we are Great Moments in Weed History. We're, we've had three seasons so far. We're continuing to put out some special episodes uh, as we get ready for our fourth season, which is upcoming. And... Each episode of the show, 
we take a different story from cannabis history, anything from Willie Nelson smoked a joint on the roof of the White House uh, to Napoleon invaded uh, Europe. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Uh, yeah. But Napoleon <laughs> invaded Egypt, and that's how hashish first got to Europe. Or stories about how the Amsterdam coffee shops came into being. Uh, all, all kinds of stories, whether they're about uh, very well-known people or pretty well-known weed people or even sort of hidden history. We, we really want to tell cannabis history because uh, so much of it has been obscured up till now. Uh, and so much of it is under threat of just kind of being greenwashed and rewritten and... Uh, we want people want to feed you this bullshit story that uh, oh weed legalization happened because big business saw that they could make money or that politicians wanted to get votes or all of these stories that really obscure the underground outlaw resistance history um, that at least for the past couple decades we've all lived and that really goes back hundreds and really thousands of years to the original prohibitions of cannabis and and by looking at it through the great moments uh and sometimes the great moments in weed history are a lot about overcoming oppression uh people like brownie mary people like dennis perone or wham uh here in california who fought the authorities uh and at great personal sacrifice helped to change these laws um that's those are also great moments in weed history so for every a uh, really fun episode we have, uh, for instance, the uh, Louisa May Alcott, who wrote Little Women, also wrote a really funny story about getting completely wrecked on hashish candy. Um, awesome. <laughs> and we also like to look at our real cultural heroes of, of our history. And, you know, as Bob Marley said, if you know your history, then you know where you're coming from. And I think for the whole weed culture and industry... Um, that's super important. Uh, if you're going to call yourself a weed person, no shame. It's like everybody starts somewhere in their knowledge and understanding, uh, but make that commitment um, because these stories are inspiring and um, really get to the heart of we want cannabis to be a transformative uh, part of society. We, you know, I wrote a, in my book, I wrote a chapter cannabis should transform capitalism not the other way around um and in the broader sense we want to bring the values of this plant and this culture to the rest of the world and not have the rest of the world uh dictate their frankly shitty retrograde uh culture onto us breach but how do you really feel <laughs> <laughs> i feel like your vape pen is revolutionizing cannabis and legitimizing uh, marijuana smokers all across the country. That's how I <laughs> totally, totally feel. And I'm glad to get your press release. And now I know who legitimized cannabis. It was you and your truck stop CBD. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been in the industry for about two years now. Some people would call me an OG. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I'm so glad to have this conversation with you because, you know, you've burned so hot and brightly and used that fire in, you know, all of the wonderful ways as a storyteller, as a journalist, as an author for so long. And, 
you know, your advocacy and, and your, um, and your work is just fucking awesome. And I've always been so glad to know you and, and, you know, like really, you know, be, be around to watch you make it. And also the fact that like, you're putting these people on blast who, for instance, Mike and I were, uh, recently, um, privy to, or not privy, we were just on like a, you know, a, a, one of these virtual meetings where this guy who's, you know, started a new, um, his own thing was, you know, making fun of stoners and being like, you know, yeah, it doesn't have to be all like bro and man. And I was like, how can you delegitimize the people who have actually created the industry that you're now profiting from by, you know, saying that these people shouldn't have a voice, that you want to veer away from stoner culture or that it's about, you know, the, 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 the luxury brands or that, you know, the, the message is no longer about, you know, being whatever the fuck it is. And it's infuriating, but also I've, you're so, you're so great because you, you sort of like, you take it and you make it into something that people can use as a weapon, a, a weapon and a way to move forward. I, I definitely don't want to be cast as like a call out person. I definitely try not to do it to individuals unless it's pretty egregious. But I, I think that because what's happening right now is, you know, cannabis was always counterculture simply because of the law. But I believe that even when the laws change, there's something inherent in the cannabis experience that is actually the reason that cannabis was prohibited along with racism as a part of racism, as a part of this effort to prohibit anything that is a challenge to the status quo. Uh, the status quo being predatory capitalism and white supremacy. Uh, so anything that challenges that is going to come under scrutiny. Cannabis has been the means of this proxy war for a hundred years uh, against people of color, against people with less money, against uh, ca uh, cancer patients is how far they took it. Uh, you know, they, they hated black people so much that they went after old white cancer patients, you know. And so as we start to move away from this, I, I would say my biggest overarching thing is you can't forget what happened. Don't let people tell you, you know, these terrible words like thought leader, etc. That's a way to try to continue to marginalize like weed people can't be marginalized in weed <laughs> you know we've been marginalized in society for so long and now to get to your point mary jane about about the uh you know that meeting you were in or whatever people still want to marginalize us even though we were right about everything even though we suffered greatly under this oppressive system, which continues in many, many places. Many people who are listening to this podcast uh, still live under some form of prohibition. Uh, and mm -hmm. yet they want to make us feel other in our own culture. Uh, it's very important to always point out the racism and exclusion of the drug war. And I think it's important to make sure that those same systems don't take hold in the cannabis industry. Uh, but I am going to pat us on the back as a culture to say, you know, I've been to a lot of weed events. I've met a lot of weed people. And of course, in any group that large, there's individuals uh, that don't share the right values or that have bad thoughts in their head. But 
by and large, I think it's a very, very inclusive culture. And we just have to make sure that it, sense of inclusion extends uh, into the industry as, as it's created and as it builds and as it grows and especially as it becomes uh, national and international. What part of the community or the industry do you see as needing the most help along to sort of like come to the table? I mean, I know that I was really startled by a portion of the cannabis community being um, open Trump supporters. And that was that was sort of surprising for me to 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 reconcile. Is there a portion of the 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 cannabis community or or the sort of weed corporations right now that you see as needing the most sort of outreach to to sort of get on board with what we're we think is the right direction to go in yeah i think we always have to just live our values as best we can um is is you know what we what we can put out uh but i think we also have to recognize that like some people are not here to give a shit some people are not here because of this plant or this culture and even if they are they're bringing with them brain diseases like predatory capitalism. I'm not a capitalist. Maybe it's not a shock to anybody who's listened this far. Uh, <laughs> but I- I- if you are, that doesn't mean you're a predatory capitalist. You know what I mean? I'm, uh, I'd am i like to reform the whole system. But if even if we're not, we have to recognize like some people just don't have the same goal. So to say that we need to educate them is a bit that that's where i get frustrated or i will get frustrated when people are like well it takes all kinds does it do do we need big pharma types now i've met a lot of people who have said to me and hey you know i worked for big pharma and i realized it was all bullshit and it was uh predicated on making the most profit possible from human misery and so i left because cannabis called to me whether as a medicine or uh some experience that i had that changed my perspective those are not the people i'm talking about those are the people we really really need to share their expertise with us and help us um and we need to educate you know because you know if you're listening to this podcast if you're a weed and grub listener it's likely that you are the most cannabis knowledgeable person in your nexus of humanity. Um, you are the person that somebody is going to call uh, if they might have a question about cannabis as a medicine. You are the person that your friends and family and coworkers are going to look to, hey, is this a good company to uh, work with or for? Um, so be really well educated yourself and share that. I'm glad we got here um, because I've been in the cannabis industry now for about three weeks and <laughs> some people would call me an OG. <laughs> and um, I, I am truly scared for the industry right now because it feels like we're at a pretty crazy inflection point with Schumer saying we're going to drop a bill in the next few weeks, which was a couple weeks ago. But I'm mad concerned about it because... I'm spending a lot of time on Clubhouse, and it's a lot of people who all have good ideas of what needs to be done to protect the people in the industry from capitalism and from the government and like how to work together. And they're all great ideas, but I don't know how any of them are actionable because we're all over the country with our own things going on. And so you just touched on it with like voting for who you want to represent you. But how do you feel 
where are we at? How do you feel about where we're at? And what's going to look, what's going to happen in the future? And a fourth question, just because <laughs> I figured I would ask as many things as possible at once. Wait, is there a fourth question coming? Or that was the fourth question? Oh, sure. Um, and also, like, how come? <laughs> oh, that's the big word. Uh, well, I'll say this. The most power you can have is through collective action. And wherever you live, uh, whether it's a local organization or a national organization, like Normal, like the Drug Policy Alliance, um, you're going to be able to find people who are already working on this issue, who have expertise and infrastructure in place. And what they really need is some, is some bread, if you can spare it. Uh, but your help, your participation, um, these organizations are designed to put you to work, um, not just pushing for legalization, but pushing, uh, but pushing for the kind of legalization uh, that at least we all want, which includes home grow, which includes social equity for people and groups of people who have been disproportionately targeted by the war on drugs. Uh, so you don't have to do this alone. Um, and you shouldn't, frankly. Um, if, if, if this is really important to you, find those groups. You're gonna, and, and the best thing I could tell you is you're also going to meet a lot of really cool people who feel the same way as you do. You know, uh, Mary Jane, you know, when we were working at High Times still, when uh, I don't want to get into the past, but when High Times was an independent publication, uh, flaws and all, it was a real place run by real weed people. Uh, that is not the case now. Uh, but right towards the end of our time there, and as legalization was, was taking, I'll say it, taking root, uh, <laughs> there nice. were all these articles that were like, oh, after everybody shitting on high times forever, uh, everybody in the media, not the many, many people who bought the magazine and, and gave uh, me the coolest, best job I ever had. Not, I'm talking about people in the media, people in politics. Uh, which would shit on high times. And then uh, all these articles came out when, as soon as the New York Times uh, uh, endorsed legalization, all these articles came out like, oh, wasn't high times such a, f- uh, uh, a forethoughtful publication? They, they figured this out 30 years ago, and they were so ahead of the times. And it's like, no, dude, it was always fucking obvious to anybody that this plant was a medicine. It was always obvious to fucking anybody that nobody should go to jail for it. It was always obvious that this was a proxy for white supremacy and putting people of color in prison and through the criminal justice system. These were not hidden truths. There were no dots to connect. There was one big dot and it was fucking obvious. And everybody who ignored that truth did so in deference to power, okay? They, I understand that there are individual people out there who, who, through propaganda and ignorance, truly believed what they were told about cannabis by the government and by the medical establishment. And that's understandable, and those are the people we need to educate and reach out to. Um, but what we don't do is let people off the hook for pretending that this was ever a reasonable public policy that people could reasonably disagree about. This was always what it was. The war on drugs and the war on cannabis 
were always the pilot program for fascism in the United States. Uh, and we saw in the last four years an attempt to uh, extend that to everyone. And a lot of people freaked out, quite rightly, quite rightly. Fascism is terrifying. Uh, but you needed to have been freaking out about the war on drugs the whole fucking time because it had everything you claim you don't like now. Separating families, uh, racism, you know, all of these elements that we saw come to a head in Trumpism all took hold and took root. You know, the idea, you know, kicking people's door down in the middle of the night and shooting their dogs because they might have a little bit of plant matter. Do you think something might be wrong with our society? And do you think it might be a little bigger than this one plant? Um, I do. And so, you know, we need to learn those lessons even when the laws change. I think it was right around that time that you're talking about sort of uh, at the end of, nearing the end of our time at High Times was when you went on Tucker Carlson to uh, try and look someone in the <laughs> eye and have a real conversation on on Fox News. What what led up to that and what was that like? I mean, what a what a wild experience that must have been. I have to say, I've 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 been on Fox News three three separate times and they were all their own unique experiences. Um, and the 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 Tucker Carlson one, it's like, you know, I had no uh you know, you're not going to you're not going to say, "Well, here's some facts." And then he says, "Oh god, you're right. I was so misinformed." <laughs> you know, so I'm trying to speak through him past him to the people watching who I know on this one issue don't all agree with him. You know, this issue still divides uh, very non-conventionally compared to other kinds of politics. Uh, and part of that is because so many people have a personal experience with cannabis that allows them uh, to see through the propaganda, particularly now, you know. So I'm trying to speak to those people. And, and sort of the best comments I saw uh, when it was posted by Fox News on YouTube were people who were like, love you, Tucker, but you're fucking wrong about this. You know, I went in with the attitude if I do this right, they'll never, ever have me back. Uh, and I think that gives you a freedom that a lot of the people who are professional TV appearance people, um, that's not what they want. So they go on TV and they debate, but they debate in a way uh, that they hope they'll be asked back to debate the next thing. And, uh, you know, the only... Uh, way I can justify even giving any attention to this person is to try to uh, scorch the earth with them. So that's what I did. You can you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, Hell it yes. made my wife very happy. <laughs> that's always a good <laughs> yeah. thing to do. Uh, I, I just say, you know, I, I, I'm always a yell back at the TVer. I don't watch TV news anymore for that reason. Uh, but if, you know, it is. I, I, this is well, my, my favorite Fox News story, I'll just tell you quickly, is on a different appearance. It was when Michael Phelps got caught uh, uh, taking a bong hit and somebody took a picture. Remember when that was like the worst thing anyone ever did? <laughs> and I was on Fox and Friends and I was on the couch and it was Steve Ducey and all those 
people I, I was only familiar with from clips that were on The Daily Show. Uh, <laughs> but you know these people. And they're talking their fucking nonsense. And I did my thing. And I'm walking off the stage. And there was a, a camera operator uh, caught my eye as I was walking out. And he gave me the most subtle thumbs up I've ever heard. <laughs> His, his thumb went up like a quarter of an inch and his head nodded a quarter of an inch. And I was like, uh, one, I can't imagine the bullshit this poor human being must have to endure every day just pointing a camera at these lying morons. And two, I was like, okay, I reached the people I'm trying to reach. Like, um, so that, that was definitely the best, uh, the best moment I had with Fox News. I, I want to kind of wrap up with a big question that has a lot of elements to it. It'll probably <laughs> be a five-parter. Yeah, I think a we're getting right, yeah, maybe get a, a five-six-parter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first. First, and I'll get out my red string to connect the dots as you talk. Um, what's, what is your ideal future, short-term, long-term? What do you think the actual wool future is going to be? And you you've ta- you've talked about racism capitalism and all of these things and so i just want to hear like the I- the ideal versus the truth and maybe there's a happy medium between the two that we're going to end up at is that it i only counted three. Oh, also <laughs> um what's your favorite strain and <laughs> yeah what you snacking on what you snacking on uh, i was oh yeah we didn't get with not too much grub <laughs> Not too much grub this time. Well, you'll have to come back. Yeah, obviously. grub we'll is back, grub so. is better in person. Uh, yeah, my ideal. What I like to tell people: if I was the uh, weed czar of the world, um, would be farmers markets. Would be that. You know, uh, like I said, I, I, I not not a huge not huge on capitalism. Um, you almost everyone in this country is within decent proximity of a farmer's market. All those farmer's markets should be selling locally grown weed. They sell wine at my farmer's market. You know, I I, I happen to live in wine country, but like many uh, farmer's markets sell beer and wine. Uh, It's like the world's not going to end. But what what that would create is a way for farmers to sell direct to consumers. Um, that's great for consumers. That's great for farmers. And honestly, uh, that's going to be great for the farmers market because they're going to sell a lot more rutabagas and, uh, you know, green onions and everything. Um, so that's what I would love to see. And th- yeah, that would be in addition probably to stores and brands, you know, like bring it on. Uh, if, if the if the if the playing field is level, I think most people would like to look their weed farmer in the eye, uh, smell a bunch of different beautiful cannabis flowers, uh, and hand over, you know, cash and get a nice sack of beautiful, fragrant, uh, perfectly cured cannabis. Um, That's what I'd love to see. Uh, I'm hoping that we can get there. I don't, to be perfectly honest with you, see that as something likely in the next couple of years and i will say this you know in california when the rules were being written not the law that we all voted on but the rules um there was a push 
to have that, to at least have cannabis farmers markets. So maybe it's not in with all the other produce, but maybe it's a different day. Um, and a bunch of, quote, big marijuana people uh, lobbied the California government and killed that law. Um, fuck you. It, yeah. You know, yeah. like, that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. Um, and that's where, you know, I, I, I would like to mention that I write a lot for Leafly. Uh, they've been a great home to me as a journalist. Uh, when I want to write about what's happening now and particularly, you know, pushing back on some of the things we've been talking about, um, they have been absolutely great in supporting my journalism and giving me a place to reach people and also in allowing me to write uh, from my perspective. What, what gives me a lot of hope and what, what makes me feel like this conversation that we've all been a part of and that I've been trying to push on and uh, some of these things we've been talking about is uh, Chuck Schumer, who's now the Senate Majority Leader, is uh, talking very aggressively about moving uh, comprehensive cannabis legislation at the federal level. And just this week, as we're recording, he had a meeting with Normal, the national institution, uh, the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws, which has been fighting for our rights going back to the early 70s. The Drug Policy Alliance, one of the most important organizations pushing out, uh, back against the entire drug war. Students for Sensible Drug Policy, uh, organization of young people, college students that I uh, am a huge supporter of, uh, and the Marijuana Justice Coalition, and the National Cannabis Industry Association, and the Minority Cannabis Business Association. So we have these groups at the table who are pushing not just to legalize cannabis, but to do it in a framework of social and racial justice to include equity programs in that we're not going to get everything we want because it is the government. Um, but that is a huge leap forward. That is an almost inconceivable outcome going back 20 years to when I started at High Times uh, and we were pushed out of every conversation. And so... Um, it does give me some hope that um, this message is getting through and that this community will be represented as we move from should we legalize, which is binary and obvious, yes, to this much uh, thornier question of how will we legalize to get to your, I think, third of four questions, Mike. <laughs> uh, we're not going to, and, and, and it, it is going to be a process, not an event. Uh, so we need to push right now to get the best outcome we can in the short term and then immediately get to work trying to make it better and trying to extend it, uh, to everyone. And if I could say one other thing, just really quick, uh, if people want to check out a really funny, uh, parody, uh, of kind of a lot of these uh, weed D-bags we've been talking about. Uh, a good friend's show called Dope State is available on YouTube. Uh, it's actually about a weed journalist. It's, to me, very funny. Uh, so a little plug for a friend. It's great. I watched it because of the article that you wrote about it for Leafly, and it's 
truly fantastic, <laughs> joyous, wonderful. So, I mean, he's he's perfect. Some of his impersonations, like sort of Barat style, you know, poking fun at the weed industry through assuming these personalities is truly like a joy. So yes, Dope State, everyone should watch it. Um, so before we wrap up, I know you have a special episode of Great Moments in Weed History coming out soon, right? Oh yeah, thank you for that. Um, we we are between seasons, but we're doing special episodes, and this one is going to come out on February 26th. It is timed uh, to a movie that is going to be released called uh, The United States versus Billie Holiday, uh, and that movie focuses on how Harry Anslinger and the Federal Bureau of, Na- of Narcotics uh, targeted Billie Holiday for these drug arrests, sent undercover FBN agents uh, to follow her everywhere. Her ex-husband, her abusive, horrific ex-husband, actually worked with Harry Anslinger to set her up for these arrests and ultimately, um, you know, planted drugs on her in the hospital. I mean, it's this horrific story about somebody, uh, Harry Anslinger, who is sort of you know we like to joke about having friends of the podcast he is the enemy of the podcast he is the person who um kind of coalesced cannabis prohibition into this federal war on people and also the larger drug war um one of the worst most destructive americans to ever live harry anslinger is just when you're just kind of first getting stoned and you're whether you're younger or older and you're like i gotta know everything about weed at some point you're gonna hear that name if you if you care at all about cannabis history you're ultimately gonna come to harry anslinger uh but you know what we like to do on the show is is dig really deep um do a lot of research and kind of tell you the story that you may not know um but your question might be well, how is it a great moment in weed history around this terrible person? And uh, I, I will just say, um, you know, maybe somebody traveled to Holidaysburg, Pennsylvania and smoked a joint and planted a bunch of weed seeds on his grave. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, Yo. So that's uh, that's great moments in weed history with uh, Abdullah and Bean. Abdullah is Abdullah Saeed, who you may know as the uh, host of Bong Appetit and a, a recurring character on High Maintenance on HBO. And uh, Bean is me. And where could everybody find you on all of the social media platforms that everyone is addicted to so they should go follow you because they're already holding their phone while they listen to this anyway. Uh, Well, one, you already know what a podcast is. So find great moments in weed history uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And then on social media, we are G-M-I-W-H podcast. Uh, And uh, across everything except the ones that we're like too old and lame to know about. (laughs) Um, you can find us at Weed and Grub on Instagram. WG at WeedandGrub.com is our email. Hit us up for anything at all. Give us a five-star review. Give Great Moments in Weed History a five-star review also while you're at it. And um, this has been a great first hour of being in the cannabis industry. Some might call me an OG. <laughs> Mike was literally born at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll talk to you soon, Bean.
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. Bye, Bye everyone. everyone. Oh, jinx. 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 <laughs> <laughs>